This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. And this is just your friendly reminder that you can be a bigger part of our community by joining us at Patreon. We have bonus episodes, a Discord server, and so many other cool goodies. So you should come and join us there at patreon.com slash name three songs. Or if you just want to donate to the cause, you can do so at paypal.me slash name three songs. But we also just appreciate your love. So no pressure. <laughs> So last week we had a big, massive Taylor episode, and this week we are following it up with a big, massive Taylor episode part two with some amazing fans. Yeah, we had a really incredible discussion with three great fans, Soph, Joss, and Lizzie, and they really enlightened us on what it was like living as a Taylor Swift fan for over a decade. Living through all the eras. Because it's easy for us to like talk about it in retrospect and be like, oh yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened. They're like on the ground floor putting in the work, the blood, sweat, and tears of being a Taylor fan. They've been through a lot. I feel like Taylor should maybe pay for some therapy bills. (laughs) Free therapy for every Taylor fan. (laughs) It's like, okay, Taylor, just call up like Talkspace and like get get them some deal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for real. But yeah, so we have a really in-depth fan perspective conversation about Taylor, which I think was very eye-opening. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear their thoughts and feelings because I know a lot of you like Taylor and are Swifties and are somewhere in between that sort of realm. So I feel like for everyone who's not on the ground floor of being a Swiftie, this is going to be very enlightening. And I'm very excited for all of you to be enlightened like we were. Yeah. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guests. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. I would like to go around, have you introduce yourselves, please say your name, where you're located, and how long you've been a fan of Taylor. So I'm Soph and I'm in Nottingham in England. I've been a Taylor Swift fan for about 13 years now. I'm Joss, I live in Spain. I've been a Swiftie for like around 10 years. My name is Lizzie, I'm from Chicago, Illinois, and I've been a Taylor Swift fan also for probably about 13 years since I was 15 years old. Incredible. It's so amazing just because like she's had such a long career, like being there the whole way is always such like a cool experience, especially as a fan. So Has there been a point in her career that's like really stood out to you that kind of like made you proud to be a fan? I honestly think this past year releasing Folklore and Evermore has made me so proud to be a fan of hers because that's such an amazing achievement to A, be productive in in lockdown, like that's an achievement in itself, but to produce these two bodies of work that are just so incredible, tell such an amazing story. And I feel like she's finally broken through all the people who were like, I don't like Taylor Swift. She just writes pop songs about boys. Like people are starting to take her seriously. And that's so nice to see as a fan. Most definitely. The re-recordings, 
it's for me like it's a big fuck you to like a bit to the business industry you know it's like okay you know what I don't need the money well I don't need that money I will say fuck you I want to release everything again I'm going to do this effort because I don't want you to get any money from my work because you betray me you were family and you betray me to this man that was attacking me all in my career all this time you betray me for money for me it was like oh my god she means business it was very empowering what about you lizzie i've always been the kind of person who like if my friends are like oh taylor swift i'll be like defending her right like i straight jump into like defense mode but i think what's so cool is like being a fan like you said from the beginning the coolest part is that time and time again like there's never been like a dip in her character and i think the media might portray her as like these dips in character but if you look at her, the christmas presents she'll send fans or like she'll pay their rent or student loans or things like that like the little things that unless you're looking at taylor swift and what she's done you'll miss those things and i don't think she cares that people miss those things but it's those parts of her character the way she wants to take care of future musicians and artists the character i think is what impresses me the most is that she's so willing to help other people and i think that that that's probably the best reason why I'm a Taylor Swift fan from the start. I love that so much because like that's what I've always been in awe of is watching that happen because after I started really listening to her I followed her on Tumblr because Tumblr apparently was taylorswift.com <laughs> for like a while and I was just like so blown away that she would reblog these like fan things and be like I'm watching you. <laughs> it's like okay how do you have the time? <laughs> Totally. I think that she like has taken the whole care about your fan base and not started it because I think a lot of artists do that, but just like wanting to make these special moments at shows, after shows, right? Like those, the tea parties and things like that from the very beginning, like she wanted to have a connection with her fans. And I think that's what made people want to be fans or go the extra mile to like make a bunch of Taylor Swift content. And I think that only helped her grow. That also like helped people actually love her and care about her and her growth. Especially when you have an artist of her size it's so insane because if you think of like smaller artists who like play smaller venues you feel like you have a more intimate connection with them just because it is a smaller show there's less people there but when you're a fan of someone like taylor and she's so huge there's so many fans you know her shows are so big it's like really special when she does those extra things to like know like she still cares and feel like she is someone that you can know and like feel like you're her friends right I did see this morning, I can't remember if it's on TikTok or Twitter, but somebody was saying how like in the lyrics on Spotify for like one of the songs that this many letters were out of place. And so they're like, okay, this is the, in 70 days or like 77 days, she's going to be releasing. I can't remember what song it was, but this whole thing. And I'm like, because I have never, like, I don't think I've ever cared that much about anyone to like pay that close attention to like the Easter eggs and all of that stuff. But like, just because I'm curious number one as fans like when did you realize she was doing this like leaving these easter eggs like is there an era where this started and also like do you guys pay attention to this is this something you care like care deeply about or are you just like waiting for somebody else to decipher them I think when I first started listening to her like I didn't really take notice of any of that it's only been since I've been on the internet and mm -hmm. followed other Taylor Swift fans and stuff that I see it because 
people are really good at decoding stuff and putting it online. I love it, but it does make me have trust issues because I'm like, stop putting stuff in things. I don't know what's real. I don't know when I'm supposed to be prepared for this. And then she drops two albums out of nowhere anyway. It's a lot. It gives me a lot of trust issues. Yeah. And I also think that there have been times where fans are like, this is what it means. And they're totally wrong. And she's like, that would have been awesome. That's not, that's not it. (laughs) So it's like, I think it can work against the fans also. I don't personally like decode all the stuff, but I'll check back and see what it says. Like when someone else has done that, I don't know where that started, but I think as soon as she realized like, wait, people will decode it. Like she started doing it more because again, she like wants to have that extra thing for fans to do and be a part of. I love it so much. I also saw a TikTok that was about the look what you made me do video. Cause I know that one. Cause I was working in like entertainment news at that time. So I remember that we had multiple articles where I had to go take screen grabs of different portions of music videos because they were like, oh, there's like this many tailors and this is what this means and this is what that means. And I was like, oh my God, this is so intense. But I saw a TikTok about that video last night that was like, I actually think that the second verse is about Scott and that's why X, Y, and Z is happening. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, even if you're, even if this isn't what Taylor was meaning to do, the fact that you could have gotten this from this is really crazy and impressive that there's just like all of this going on. But speaking of like, since we have been talking about like different moments in Taylor's career, do you guys have like a first memory of the media taking interest in Taylor? And if so, like, what is that? When I started taking notice of it was when they started kind of putting stuff about how many guys she was dating because mm-hmm. a lot of them were like guys that I had crushes on as well. I was like, oh my God, Taylor Lautner, I love him. And all that kind of stuff. I kind of noticed how often there were pictures of her with a guy. And I think as I grew up, I kind of realized how damaging that was. At the time, I kind of didn't think about it too much. I was like, oh, she's so lucky she gets all the boys. And then I'm looking <laughs> back like, that was really not cool. Like half the time she wasn't dating them. She was just hanging out like a normal, like teenage early 20s girl does. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's when I first started noticing the media kind of starting to create a narrative about her that isn't necessarily true. Yeah, I remember seeing the teenage magazine with picture of her with, you know, like a white dress, a white nice dress. And then after, I think after Speak Now, before it, it started the, oh my gosh, she dates a lot. He's a picture with Jonas. He's a picture with mm, this one. He's a picture now. And John Mayer, he talked about her, you know, like uh, she was a, a cheap songwriter. And then the media started to change the image that they have constructed about, around her. Yeah, I mean, I would say probably the same thing. It's like she came up as this artist who was so young, right, 16 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And a year later, it wasn't even about the music. It was about who she's dating. And not just in like, oh my gosh, they're together. Because like when she was dating Harry Styles, like not that people didn't care about that, but that that was like a bad thing. Like they're in the Miss Americana uh, Netflix series documentary they put out. Like one of the quotes of one of the reporters was like, she's going through guys like a train. And she was like, you know, 18 years old and had dated like what, three people at that time. And it's just crazy the double standard, like Soph was saying, like she wasn't dating all of these guys. Maybe she went on a date with some of them and it was pictured as 
she's a slut she's this and that when she was like an 18 year old girl who was just starting to like guys and trying to date and I think that that is the moment that the media started painting her as this person who she's not Mm -hmm. and the rebuttal was well then it's the music's problem like why is she writing all of these songs bashing these men and it's like no she's just writing a love song or writing a breakup song and it was painted as it's her problem for portraying men in such a horrible way when we don't say those things about you know male artists in the episode that jenna and i recorded talking about taylor i sort of realized that after that like joe jonas moment where she's like on ellen and like talking about that relationship and that that sort of got blown so far out of proportion you can sort of see her throughout the news cycle sort of becoming a bit more closed off about talking about these relationships in any way where then it just goes into the songs and so i feel like there's also that thing where the media is like well you you talked about it and it's like yeah she was like 18 dating somebody who was like famous before she was famous like of course she's gonna talk about it because she's just like not super media trained yet she doesn't know how any of it works because you're not prepared really because you're like oh, okay like as like a teenager when somebody asks you about your relationship or your breakup you're like oh my god thank you so much for asking I'm <laughs> like the rest of the world was like how dare you be happy that somebody asked you about this and it's like she's hurting I don't know and it's so frustrating because I feel like a lot of the world started paying attention to her after that whole Kanye VMAs thing but like my first real memory of her doing any talk show circuit or anything was that Joe Jonas thing and I was like this is weird <laughs> like yeah. I think I I sent Jenna this video but there was a video where there was like a Joe Jonas doll and she was like oh like he, he even has a phone so she can <laughs> he can call people to break up with them in 15 seconds and I was like oh my god she got used to not so after all of that and that was an obvious joe jonas breakup Mm -hmm. she got used to not saying who the songs were about Mm -hmm. and i think that that's maybe the start of like the decoding and the wanting to give hints to the fans who actually care about the music but not confirming for the people who don't really care you know yeah i completely agree and i feel like that her being like i'm not gonna talk publicly about my breakups it was almost just like fuel for the media to be like well what are you hiding like make it more of a witch hunt except that like you just said for fans it wasn't a big deal and fans knew what it was about for the media it was like a whole big deal i think one of the you know one of the reasons that the media was so obsessed with who she is dating is because she was dating the hot guys. So, and a lot of girls that were in love with them, you know, like, oh my gosh, she's so dreamy. Why she is with her? She's so blonde, so, so perfect. So I'm a girl, you know, a girly girl because she has always been a, a girly girl. So yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that people had that negative reaction about her because she was dating the, the hot guys. And I, I, I would true. have done the same. I mean, if I was like that beautiful, of course, I'm going to date all these men if they want to date me. I mean, of course. Who can blame her? <laughs> it's just that thing where it's like the internalized misogyny of the whole world was so strong when they saw Taylor Swift. And it's just mind blowing that somebody who was fitting such like a cookie cutter image of like what like a girl next door is supposed to be like, because she is just like dating the football player as you like you know and it wasn't anything nefarious or like dark or anything like that she wasn't writing these songs about like sleeping with them or anything like that she was just writing songs that people 
can relate to in some way or another but because it's about like Jake Gyllenhaal it's like how dare you (laughs) it's just so funny because she wasn't allowed to be anything and we've talked a lot about pop stars having to be porny and virginal at the same time and Taylor was just like that girl next door she didn't have any other motives or anything else and the media was like but we want you to be both horny and virginal how dare you not be really either and they just got so mad about it and I think that she's just the perfect example of somebody just towing the line of existence and the media being like you're too normal but also not because you're pretty so what's the deal here I think that was a good way to put it she is very like Barbie like I just feel like there was nothing like dangerous about her (laughs) like I don't know Yeah, and I want to point out that nobody paid attention to those guys that she dated after the breakup. Like, they were dating too, you know, after and before the breakup. They had all their their messy relationships and nobody said anything about them. I mean... From all her exes, only one is married that had um, have a kid. The the other ones are like singles. So why are they single, eh? Why? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Sarah loves to point out that Calvin Harris was a crusty man before he dated Taylor and after he became famous. (laughs) True. Oh my gosh. So true. It's just like a DJ over here that no one cared about. It's literally like, I'm just so confused how he went from like the grossest looking man to all of a sudden there's like this relatively attractive man dating Taylor Swift and everyone's like, this is Calvin Harris. And I'm like, that's not Calvin Harris. Calvin Harris has never left his basement because he's playing (laughs) D&D. Yes, that is the vibe completely. That is exactly what he looked like. It was wild. I remember when they started dating, I was like, that's not Calvin Harris. Like I've seen Calvin Harris. It does not look like that. That was the weirdest thing. Like, there was, like, a good month where I was, like, this is a fake man. (laughs) Like, he took, like, the whole marshmallow thing to another level. He's hired a hot man to pretend to be him in the real world. Like, I don't know what's (laughs) happening. Um, Conspiracy theory. (laughs) I love it. Let's start it. So speaking of the media in general, what are your guys' thoughts on how the media has treated Taylor throughout her career? When she started, she was you know, the girl next door with the sundresses, with the curly hair, singing about boys. Yeah, it was cute. That image, then it is then it reached a point that the media started to focus on the men that she was dating. And then it was, she's a slut. She has a problem She's uh, because she can keep a man. Then it slowly has reached another point that it was fine, you know, when she started to date Captain Harris and all that. So, like, the media was calmed down because she was in a stable relationship. And then the summer happened. That summer was really, really messy. And then it was like, oh, my gosh, she's such a slut, you know, because she was uh, flirting with three guys or whatever. Poor poor guys that uh, they got their heartbroken by this evil woman. And... I'd like to point out that there is always like an idea that she is like money hungry. It just started around that time. It was a confrontation with the media and mm-hmm. the media didn't like it. And then with the release of Folklore and Evermore, it seemed like the media is calmed down a bit and like her again. But for how long are they going to be on her side? Because mm-hmm. they were the same people that were attacking her when the sexual trial 
what's going on. They call her name. They attack her, her body, her lack of, you know, of her breasts or butt. I think that the media portrayed her horribly until she realized it didn't matter. Like Joss was saying, like, I think that up until Reputation and when the whole Kanye West, Kim Kardashian thing happened with the phone call, I think up until that point, she was trying to be good and perfect and painted in a perfect light and don't talk about politics and be skinny and be what people want you to be. Then that happened and she realized that like, I could do everything right and hashtag Taylor Swift is over party could be trending on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I think at that moment, like right then she went into kind of a hiding and no one saw her for a year or two years or however long it was. And when she came out of that, obviously she was like, bad bitch reputation era, let's go. But from that point on, I don't think she cared so much about how the media portrayed her. And then with Lover, I think it was like total shift, leave reputation era, still don't really care what people think right she put out the man and everything that that music video and song symbolizes is very much like look things would be different if a man was doing the exact same things as me and I think when she realized that everything could change just because one person lies about you and judges your character it it wasn't on her shoulders to have to be perfect because at the end of the day people can take what you say and twist it however they want and the media was horrible to her and like Joss was saying now the media is not as bad to her but I think it's because she's doing things she wants to do writing songs she wants to write who cares what people interpret her songs as and it's very Mm -hmm. much now different because of how she lets let go of that hold of the media yeah it was a rough summer that summer you know after the breakup with Harvey Harris I remember they were mad because Taylor get a bunch of artists in her tour in the in the 1989 <laughs> tour yeah there were a lot of famous people that were on the stage um, and the media started to I mean no this is a problem why are you know, these people there and then it was all her friends while she always around all these famous pretty people those are her friends I mean I don't have any problem with them like and she and she was partying in Las Vegas with Calvin Harris and her friends I mean it's not but then it, it was a problem with the media apparently it was a problem I and mean, I don't know why I feel like the media like with her she could not do anything right when she was hanging out with guys it was like why doesn't she have any girlfriends why don't she hang out with her friends and then she's hanging out with her friends like why are all of your friends pretty and then it's like you don't talk about politics and then she talks about politics and they're like well why are you talking about politics now it's like she can't win so I'm really glad to see her kind of just say I can't please you so I'm just gonna be me and that's it and I really I think that's great because it gives like a a great message to fans as well and I think she said at a concert once like you shouldn't worry what other people think of you if they say that you can't do something you know I think it's a really like positive message but it sucks that she only kind of had to get to that point after going through such bad press for really like no reason there are way worse musicians who do way worse <laughs> things that don't get talked about at all. Yeah, I it's hard, I can't, I don't think I can name an artist who has gone through more scrutiny mm-hmm. than Taylor Swift. And I, maybe there's someone out there, but just like public scrutiny of Sopa saying everything that she did couldn't be right. So it, I think she was the most scrutinized artist for a while. 
Yeah. I mean, you guys have hit on some like really important points. And I think it's so wild how the media was like, how dare you just hang out with supermodels and like all these hot girls and stuff. And it's like, okay, media, stop bashing people when they gain any weight then. And maybe she'll have some friends that look like they eat more. Like, what do you want? (laughs) It's like, what do you expect when like you are out here bringing all these women down constantly for them to be like, Taylor, how dare you not have any normal looking friends? It's like, there are no normal looking people left like what do you expect number one and number two it feels like every decade 15 years there's like a new artist that is doing really well doing something sort of outside the mold but not really like Madonna or Janet Jackson and like there are these artists who are really successful that sometimes the media successfully does sort of just bring them down to the point where they're like can't take it anymore and I feel like the fact that Taylor sort of has just been like you know what fuck this is really interesting because I mean like with reputation it very much was like a fuck you letter to the media and the media was like actually it's not about us it's like oh okay okay, what and and it's just really funny because like we've talked about this a couple different times and like not as serious a way but like it really was like the media being like we we don't accept this so we're actually going to make you the problem it was like them deciphering all this imagery that was very clearly about them and making it about like oh look this is taylor saying that she's a snake and it's like no taylor's saying you're a snake you're the snake Sarah, while you're working at like your job that like is the snake and like editing photos for them and they're like it's like the most I literally say this all the time it's the most frustrating thing to work in the photo department of an entertainment news outlet slash gossip news outlet because you literally have no power like whatsoever so you guys all kind of mentioned the reputation era which is like she went quiet for a while and like her documentary said like nobody saw her for a year and then reputation came right after that do you guys remember that era of being like where is taylor what's going on why is she so quiet where is she like were you guys concerned do you remember this yeah i i remember this like so clearly because 1989 was like so iconic for me it was such a like great time in my life and this it was like the soundtrack to just the best times and then like you said she just disappeared like off all social media everything and it was such a weird like I hate when celebrities do that I understand why they do it but I'm like do you not understand that as a fan you posting on Instagram is so great I know it means nothing to you but it's nice to see for me so it was such a weird one and then when Reputation came out I hate to say it but I was one of those fans that was like what's happening this is not the Taylor that I know and obviously she says in that song like the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now and I'm like no I love the old Taylor I I love country singing Taylor and pop Taylor what what's going on and like when Lover came out after that I was like oh I get it now it was like a whole thing I understand why you did that now but that whole time I was like I'm confused is this how Taylor is gonna be now like I don't know if I like this Uh, I really questioned myself for a long time it's very stressful Taylor is part of my personality and I was like what's happening like do I need to go buy a leather corset yeah (laughs) I can't pull that off like listening to it and I think she had to take the break and really just assess like for her like I don't think she did anything wrong but I think there was so much hatred going her way that she needed to like she 
fall in love in that time and take that break to not be in paparazzi photos or be anyone's like scapegoat for a problem. And I remember I was on vacation and I was in the car and all of a sudden I got a notification that Taylor Swift posted on Instagram. And I was like, oh my God, because she hadn't in like a year. And it was like the first of three videos of like that snake. You guys probably remember this. And I was like, oh shit, we are in for something. And then when Look What You Made Me Do came out, I remember being like, this is different, but like, this is what she hasn't done yet. So let's go. And I remember a couple of my friends texting me like, do you think she'll like never write like a a nice pop love song again? And I was like, guys, it's a phase. Old She didn't like actually die. (laughs) But it, it was like so different. And I think that that was necessary for what she hadn't done and it was something fresh and it was something different and it was kind of like a big fuck you to the people who have clearly poured problems on her that she really wasn't the startup so I loved it I was a big fan yeah well I was taking a break from Taylor and the fandom because I had reached a point that oh my god I can't do this anymore I can't read all the fans that, that are calling her a slut or they're calling her that or the fans that are always defending her like but in an annoying way, I need a break from that summer. And because I love 1989, but for me, it was an album that Taylor did for the critics because she didn't win Album of the Year with Red. So because it was not cohesive us or something like that. So I like 1989, but I didn't love it. Like Red, because I love Red. Red is my favorite album. And then the rep- and then she started to delete her image from Instagram. And then it was the snake. And then it was the video. And then for me, it was, oh, this is her experimental phase. You know, it's a phase that she was going to make. I don't know what she's going to make next. I feel like that's a really good way to break down like what was sort of happening in the Taylor sphere at that time because I feel like as somebody who was like an outsider looking in that felt very much like what was happening that Taylor was reacting and trying to not act like she was reacting because I feel like she is a very strong person but she plans everything out she's very meticulous in everything that she does and I feel like she wanted her fans to know like that she is staying true to herself but at the same time she's like you guys are aware of this battle that they're making me fight so I need to react um so I feel like it it is really interesting to sort of think of it that way of like 1989 being something where she's like okay this is me but I also need to like do something so that they know that I'm being serious and then reputation was like okay you guys fucked everything up so here is me being angry and then after that when people sort of started to realize that like oh Taylor Swift has thoughts and feelings because I feel like for so long as I said earlier, like there was that just cookie cutter, like girl next door sort of image and people didn't really want to acknowledge that Taylor Swift was a human. And I feel like the anger and reputation was so acknowledged, even if they didn't want to be like, yes, this is about me. They like knew it was. And so I feel like that gave her the chance to do something like Lover and then move on from that whole thing of being like a response to what was happening in the world. I don't know if that makes sense for you guys, but like for me, as somebody who has no idea what's happening, that's what it felt like. Yeah, for sure. I think that's what it felt like for me, kind of more in hindsight than at the time. I think at the time I was more like, I don't, 
I'm confused but now I get it and I appreciate Reputation so much more now than I did when it was released I think there was such a kind of divide in Swifties that was like either yes I'm absolutely here for it or like what's going on I'm confused so I think it's now it now makes so much sense like in Taylor Swift history and it's like such an iconic moment but yeah I think it it needed it needed to be put out there I think she needed to be like I have I have thoughts I have feelings I'm a person and you are actually like upsetting me by doing this so I think it made sense. Jenna did you have thoughts about that? (laughs) It's interesting that she did that because you know Sarah we've talked about different artists who like either like do something to like I don't I don't really want to use the word retaliate but almost like speak up for themselves mm-hmm. or like stand up for themselves like that's what she was kind of doing she was like putting her foot down being like this is not okay this is you can't treat me like this stuff like that that's basically what she was doing with that album but I think it's interesting that she did that because she's literally so famous that like she didn't have to do that Like she could still keep doing whatever she wants to do and still selling records and her fans would still love her. But I just think it's interesting that like she made the point to to have that whole, dedicate a whole era to that. I I think also that she's sort of proven that a lot of what she's done is so that other people don't have to go through what she's gone through. That she's sort of being like, okay, there was no playbook for me. So I'm going to write a playbook for other people. And I listened to like a Zane Lowe interview that she did. And she was saying how she has younger artists that like will reach out to her. And she's always like available to be like, okay, this is how I can help you so that you don't have to go through the same things that I went through. And I just feel like the fact that she literally is just like available as a mentor (laughs) and doing these things where it's completely right she didn't have to do any of it but I feel like she was like nobody else has done this so maybe if I do it people won't have to go through as harsh of a world as I went through I mean I feel like that's kind of the same thing with her re-recording her old work Mm -hmm. is like essentially this that same idea yeah I love that from the start of that whole thing playing out it was like if she does this no one's ever done that before no one's ever like cared that much and like I know people who have had successful songs who in that moment were kind of like yeah that sucks that like she wasn't even offered them but like it's kind of crazy no one owns their own music Mm -hmm. and the whole concept of that is like yeah isn't that what's so fucked up yeah not that like you can afford it because I know that if you have a hit song oftentimes it is like sold every five ten years or whatever and you don't own it a lot of the times but for her to not be given the option to own it right it wasn't even a conversation was like no let's have some man own it instead of you she has the money to do it and I think that that was what was so frustrating and probably a big reason why she wanted to leave Big Machine anyway and so it is just kind of so iconic that other people will probably do that or have at least the knowledge to want to own their own music and know that that's a possibility going forward making record deals you know when she signed I'm sure it wasn't on the table like she probably didn't think she would ever leave or need to leave but at the same time probably no one really owned their own music at that stage in yeah. 2010 or whenever you yeah. know signed. so yeah it was a, it was a long time ago and like the streaming industry has changed a lot in the past 10 years so it's like there's no way she could have known right yeah and it was you know it was a man that she trusted I mean it wasn't an executive from a big company no it was the man that she worked for a long time to build the company and he sold her work to Scooter Brown, a man that was attacking her. 
it that betrayal and it was sad because he considered Scott Borchetta her family for a long time. So speaking of Taylor sort of gaining her voice and sort of putting her foot down and standing up for herself and all these other things over the past few years and also being more open about her viewpoints on hot topics like politics and that sort of thing. As fans of hers, like what are your guys' personal feelings about the timing of her being outspoken? And do you feel like the critique on that is warranted? Or do you think that it's just another reason that people have to feel the need to attack her? Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. I think that her putting out the the documentary that she did on Netflix really helped me to kind of understand why she spoke out when she spoke out. And th- there's a scene in that where it's like her dad and like two other guys saying to her like, no, don't make any statement, just be quiet. And she's like, why? Trump's the president. I should have spoken out sooner and I didn't. I can't change that. I want to make a difference now. And I think it was so nice as a fan to see her be able to do that. And I kind of understand why she didn't sooner obviously that whole thing happened with the Dixie Chicks and they were like boycotted from like all radios and as someone starting out as like a country artist you probably are so aware of that story and you just want to not make any waves if you don't have to especially when you're Taylor Swift and anything you do gets criticized anyway it must have been a really scary place to be in and feel like you couldn't really speak out and I think it's so good that she started to do it now and some might say like oh why is it now it's like too little too late but I think she has done so much especially kind of over the past year she's really really done like above and beyond what a lot of other celebrities were doing Mm -hmm. to encourage people to vote to make sure that people were educated on things so I as a fan I think it's great to see and it's really inspiring and it made me look into politics over here more I was like yeah I want to use my voice I want to learn more I want to do stuff I don't need to be quiet I should be talking about stuff especially with our prime minister (laughs) Well, when you're a fan of Taylor, you kind of know her political beliefs. But if you're a fan, for example, you have this interview where she talks about voting for Obama. This interview about discrimination, about not discriminating to people. So you more or less know her political, well, her political beliefs, but the media didn't and they didn't care. And they demanded her to be like like a politician, like the poster face of activism um, I mean she doesn't have to be we the people have to be educated and have to go and have to find this information and we don't have to rely on celebrities or pop stars to 
tell us who is the person that that we need to vote. I mean, that's important. But yeah, but it was like this demand on her to be this super political activist figure that it doesn't make any sense because she doesn't have to be. But yeah, it was nice to know, yeah, to for her to do that documentary because it gave us like, look guys, he, she's not a white supremacist. Like we were talking, <laughs> we were saying you all this time, he was, she wasn't. He voted for Obama, she voted for Hillary, you know, like, and it's in the media, you know, it's in front page. She is not a white supremacist. But yeah, but in the fandom, like, there is like a sentiment of a bit of sadness because there has been a lot of occasion that she was called the white supremacist princess and she didn't say anything about it, you know, and that hurts. If you're a person of color, it hurts that they are calling her that. And sometimes we feel a bit frustrated because in what way I want her to be like, hey, guys, this is wrong. Please don't, don't talk about me that way. Respect the fans of colors that, in the, that are in the fandom, but... On the other hand, she doesn't have to do that, you know? She doesn't have to do that because she's a normal person and you can choose if you want to be a public figure about this topic or not. Part of the Netflix documentary where it was like her and her publicist and her mom on the couch. I think it was the part right after what Soap was saying, but she was like about to hit post on Twitter or Instagram of like that first post where she really stated her political views and just like the whole I think it was the Senate race in Tennessee and she was so nervous and like they cheers with wine and she was freaking out and I think that that was so humbling to see like someone at her position like to take a stance there's no right time there's no time that she could have because in right the first political election she was very much in that hiding reputation area so Mm -hmm. I don't blame her for not poking her head out at that time but in hindsight you could probably say sure she should have but is that what she was going to poke her head out for I don't know so she knew she was wrong and and there is no right time there's no changing what happened but in that moment you could see like how nervous she was to be posting that social media post and I think that her voice does matter and Mm -hmm. Regardless of who wins, knowing that she spoke up is important for her. And I think everything that she did for the LGBTQ plus community with the whole you need to calm down music video, she got scrutiny for that. Like she was donating all the proceeds, right, to different campaigns. And she had like the Equality Act link in that description, all of that stuff. And people were like, well, she's doing the wrong thing. Like there should not have been, people had a problem with it. And I thought it was so iconic. I probably watched that video like 18 times so there's no right way for celebrities to speak out on issues that matter but I think the cool part of coming out of that reputation era is that she did speak out for those things that really do make a difference just for people feeling included and like they belong in a community where maybe they didn't know that if they belonged because she didn't say anything about it before so I, I don't think there's a right time but I'm, I'm glad she did speak up and just have people of different races and sexual orientations like represented in her videos and her things so Cool. I see where Joss is coming from with the whole thing where people were referring to her as like the, this white supremacist princess because I mean there is like the preconceived notion for people outside of that bubble like as I keep saying like a complete outsider to it all of the assumption of like okay she's 
white and blonde and blue eyed and involved in country music and all those things and so for me I just was like she's not talking about politics because she's a Republican and it's a problem (laughs) but because I feel like when Obama was president and stuff like and I've talked to like with my family about this a lot like there was still that American ideal of like promise and hope sort of thing and then towards the end of his presidency there were started to be a lot more hate crimes and all these issues and then of course like Donald Trump coming up and everything and so I feel like up until that point you're kind of like okay people don't need to be that loud about politics because things seem to be going in like the positive direction that they tell you the future is supposed to go in and then with the whole Trump thing and all this hatred coming up and there's these artists who do have such like young impressionable followers it's like yeah it's not their job to be advocate and like to be political activists and all that thing but at the same time it's like when you have rumors about you and you know that you have these rumors about you it's just as easy to like say something so I'm glad that she eventually did and was very open about like why she wasn't because it's like there is that group of men <laughs> like sitting there being like are you sure you want to do this because everybody right now thinks of you as that girl that lives next door and if you do this you're not anymore for a lot of people and I think the crazy part is like I don't think a lot of people were thinking of her as the girl next door at that time I think she's so new that she just needed to and I think it was for the senate race if I'm not mistaken but like just go out and say like hey this lady's not supporting what I just went through with the sexual assault trial and I think that that was very much a focus of hers of why she wanted to speak out and at that point those men in the room they weren't saying like I don't think you should do this they were like don't do this and I think she just knew she needed to stand up for those people who could be taken advantage of in the future going back to my point of like I think everything that she does is because she wants that not to happen to someone else and Mm -hmm. I think that that's a character trait that has carried her through a lot of the positive parts of her career Also, just hearing you say that again, the thing with the trial and then the reputation era and then the elections, just like a culmination of all of it, I think really led to her personally realizing like, no, actually, I do care about this. I do want to stand up for this. I want my fans to know where I stand. I think there was like a lot of factors and especially like the the sexual assault case that were really kind of her realizing in herself because to Sarah's point, prior to like 2014, we didn't always expect our pop stars to be political, especially in the early 2000s, things were very separate. And so I think as we evolved and as we realized, hey, no, like we do want to know where you stand on these things, she was, you know, I think some people would say she was late to the game. But again, it's like a personal thing where like we can't pressure her to do something she's not comfortable with. And I just, again, the scene with the men on the couch and them being like, don't do this. It's like, that's what she's been told her whole career, right? She was just following what other people have told her of what the model is for being a pop star. And so once again, it's like something that she has to reconcile with in herself and with her team of being like, no, I want to do the right thing. Well, also, I feel like we were all raised with parents who were like, these are the three things not to talk about on a date or at dinner, which are like politics, money, and like, I don't know the third one, but you know, like it was just always like, don't talk about politics. And it didn't really become a thing that people were that open about talking about until Obama. And then after that, it sort of became an even bigger thing because you sort of see what's happening in the whole world, but specifically America, like going off into like these two factions really so I you don't you can't really 
thinking about it with that perspective like blame her for not saying anything because she's from Tennessee like and uh, like a like a democratic family in Tennessee like you you don't want to talk about that too loud in public because you don't know how people are going to react yeah there's just so many factors that play into it so we have like one final question that I'm really interested in getting your guys perspective on as fans which is the public's like interest and the way that people liked Taylor I feel like has really been changing sort of since the since 1989 reputation era like I feel like people are starting to realize what she's doing with her music but really when folklore dropped people and the media sort of changed their tune about their viewpoints on Taylor because she was making like quote-unquote serious music all of a sudden which really just means like music that maybe men listen to so what are your guys opinions on the sudden change of the narrative around Taylor's music and also just like the reception of folklore and then evermore I find it really frustrating that people only have just started to take her seriously now because I think like you said before it was always like oh Taylor Swift is like songs that girls like and if girls like something then it's not cool and it was just so frustrating like I didn't used to tell people that I like Taylor Swift because I couldn't be bothered to get into the argument of like oh she only dates boys and all these boys and she writes all these songs like I just couldn't I just couldn't be bothered to like spend my time defending her and defending my music interests but now it's so nice to see her get the kind of recognition and respect that she should have got way before she's been writing amazing songs for so many years so whilst as a fan it's like really frustrating in some ways it's nice and I think a lot of people that I know who've kind of listened to Folklore and Evermore are now listening to her back catalogue and going, oh, she's had bops all along. I really like these songs. I just didn't listen because of my internalised misogyny or because I thought she was uncool. So it's nice for people to finally get on my level, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating to know, like now to see, oh my gosh, she's such a good songwriter. I mean, no, she has always been a good songwriter. When she was 14, when she was 15, 18, it doesn't matter. She was writing all her songs because there were people that were, oh my gosh, she 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 doesn't really write her song. They go, no, she does. And for me, with these two albums, it seems like she doesn't care about the critics, you know, but because she's doing what she likes. She's writing all these songs, she's producing them and being herself. I mean, I was waiting for this kind, this kind of album for a long time after Reputation a lover I was waiting for you know like a more calm album that focused only in lyrics not much about the music of it was catchy because I know that he's really talented and yeah I was waiting for these kind of albums yeah I would say that I think it's crazy that obviously she released two albums three if you count fearless in the past year but Mm -hmm. with folklore I think her saying that she almost didn't release it because she didn't think it was good like had it not been quarantine she probably wouldn't have released these songs because they're not what people are used to I think that's so telling because she won album of the year for something that she thought might not be what people want and I think that just goes back to everything that we've talked about of like as soon as you can release 
release yourself from trying to please other people, that's when you're the most genuine, the most you. And I don't think she really cared. Like she was writing songs about people she's never met or about her grandma or co-writing them with her boyfriend and writing from a storyteller's perspective. All things that her fans weren't used to, probably the people she worked with wasn't used to. It's always been about who are you writing this song about? What part of your life is this relating to? And she dropped all that and just wrote songs and a lot of them and then put them out and it won album of the year. And so as a fan, it's impressive and it's inspiring to just like, it doesn't have to be what you think is your ticket to the next big successful thing. It just has to be like genuinely you. And when she did that, it was so telling. And, and now she has more of a fan base of people she didn't used to have. And isn't that what music's all about is like sometimes it brings brings in more people depending what you're writing about. So I love Folklore Era because of that. And I, I wouldn't say it's like my favorite album or the album with the most hits or bops, but it's so special because it's a time and place where she took away all of the pressure and just wrote the songs. And then she got what she really wanted, which was to win album of the year. So it was really telling and I, I loved that story for her that you can do things when you think it's not what other people want it could be like your most successful thing yet yeah and i think i mean number one it just goes to show like how strong her songwriting is and number two i'm curious to see if like now now that she like just she just put out fearless taylor's version i'm curious to see if like those people who were like oh my god evermore is amazing like if they are gonna listen to this and be like wow she made some points on this record 10 years ago that we blew off because we thought she was a dumb girl. Like, I just wonder what people's reactions are going to be. Well, the the thing, so I mentioned that Zane Lowe interview before, but she had said that she felt like she was reaching this point in her life where maybe writing from personal like wasn't the best option for her anymore and that she was afraid of like what people's reaction was going to be of her writing like fictional music but I think the thing that is really interesting having listened to both Folklore and Evermore and then going back and listening to Fearless which she wrote in like a completely different mindset it's the same storytelling tropes like it's the same things except for we know that the songs on Fearless are about Taylor and we know that the songs on Folklore and Evermore are aren't so much about her but I mean of course like even if you're writing fiction it's still coming from you so it's still based off of things that you already know and understand and have lived through in some sort of way no matter how fiction the fiction is you know and so I yeah I agree with Jenna I feel like it is going to be very interesting going forward as Taylor continues to release like Taylor versions of these songs to like see how the world reacts based off of knowing that this is just like her style, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Well, I can speak from personal experience. Like my boyfriend's always known I like Taylor Swift, but I think because we've been locked down, he's seen me go through like three albums. He's like, wow, you're really emotionally invested in these. Explain this to me. And so I've made him watch Miss Americana. I've showed him a bunch of music videos. I played him Fearless Taylor's version. And he's like, she has amazing songs. She's a great songwriter. I can't believe I haven't listened to her before. Like, and I keep trying to say it's because the media told you that she wasn't cool but <laughs> I don't want to get in an argument with you so yeah okay you're just discovering it it's fine and I've seen like a couple of people online as well be like oh these are great so I hope it continues that way I hope people continue to kind of give her the the respect that she deserves as a songwriter I think that she has reached a level now with success and, and all the awards that she can do whatever and it will be a success because she uh, she has a strong fan base 
a strong fan base that buys her albums. And that's and right now, that's really important because not many people are buying physical albums. Yeah, and I think at this stage in her career, she's kind of done all genres. Like, I know that there was a point where she was only country and it was like a big deal for her to enter the pop world. And there was a crossover album and then there was a full pop album and then there was another full pop album. And so at this point, it's like she's done country, done pop, done folk, right? That acoustic thing. So it's very open to... The next step is like whatever she wants to be. I think she's proven herself as an artist, as a songwriter in all of these lanes that now that she doesn't care so much about the media or what other people think, it is very much a relationship with her and her fans. And she could go on to do any album next because she's done it all successfully. So... So true. I think that's like a perfect point to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. This was such a fun, interesting conversation, especially for Sarah and I being kind of like outsiders. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. Thank you. Let's just like go around and if you want to give like your social handles, if people want to follow up, find you, chat more, whatnot, we'll go around and say like where they can find you. Yes, you can find me on all social media platforms at Soph Jones Music and I also have a podcast called Download Your Thoughts. You can find me in Tumblr. I I use Tumblr. Uh, Just Brago. And you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at... At Lizzie Zybert is my name. And then I'm also in a pop duo called Fairview. And you can find us there at, at Fairview Official. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Okay, I know I say this every time, but that was incredible. I learned so much. <laughs> like literally. I truly so learned much. so much. <laughs> like, like genuinely. And it's funny because I know I was talking a lot about my gossip news history, but truly like there were things that like I was vaguely aware of and they just like made it 100% clear that like Dessa actually was happening. And I'm like, yeah. wow, that's wild. Yeah. It's just so interesting as people who are literally just complete outsiders to something because I feel like with Lana Del Rey, like we said, we were outsiders, but we really like we knew what was happening because of the way it was spoken about. But with Taylor, like there's so many different narratives happening that unless you are like good friends with a Swifty, you don't really know what the hell's going on because they're the only ones that know. Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, I feel the same way about Taylor's career as most of the other people we've talked about. It's like, I like was more invested in the beginning and then I kind of like grew apart in my separate way. Mm -hmm. And so like a lot of this stuff I know like via the media. So it's like semi- I'm not like an insider insider, but I do have like a more direct connection. But yeah, I mean, and that's why I love having like multiple people on too, is just because like they can, they can compare notes with each other, like even talking about their experiences about like reputation and stuff. Yeah, it's so interesting. And it was like, they they went through so much with that reputation. I yeah, fans. I'm like, are y'all okay? <laughs> I need to check up on y'all. Like Taylor Swift needs to pay all reparations. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Like, there's just a lot to go through because it was just funny because Joss kept being like, oh, that's summer. And I'm like, what summer? And I'm like, what happened? (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. It's the summer with like Tom Hiddleston and like all that other nonsense that was going on. But like, it just all is like lumped together in my brain of all these different like talking points that we covered at my old jobs. And I'm like, what? Yeah, no, that was so funny. 
Well, if you made it this far into the episode, I hope you're well satisfied that we finally covered Taylor Swift in two episodes. Come share your thoughts with us. So if you do want to continue the Taylor discourse, you can find us on social media at Name3Songs or personally at Sarah underscore Fagan and at Jenna underscore Million. I feel like there's not a lot of beef to be had but again if we for some reason made a completely wild and crazy taylor swift opinion please let us know we have no problem discussing that with you and if you want to be a bigger part of our community you can do that at patreon.com slash name three songs or you can donate to the cause at paypal.me slash name three songs so thank you for joining us on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to listen to taylor swift and don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode you can visit name three songs.com Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.